Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, this is Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, and I'm not David Greiner. I'm Nicole Ortiz, and I'm our community editor. I handle all of our guest contributions, and I run our voice network. Uh, We're doing a special episode of Yeah, That's Probably an Ad focusing on Pride Month, and we have a few guests with us today. Hi, uh, I'm Diana McDougal. I'm our art director here at Adweek. And I'm a gay woman, and I'm very excited to talk about uh, all the things we've seen this Pride Month that brands are doing. Hey, I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. We help big brands lift their e-com sales at places like Amazon, Target, Walmart, Ulta, and Sephora. Uh, and I'm a proud gay woman and happy to be here. Uh, my name's uh, Gus Johnston. I'm a creative director at uh, independent advertising agency Venables Bell & Partners in San Francisco. Um, I'm also a gay man, which I think uh, on the list of uh, skills on my LinkedIn profile would probably fit under the category of a soft skill, being a gay (laughs) man, I think. And I'm Rigel Cable. Um, I'm an Instagram content creator at Rigel Gemini, and I also work full-time leading analytics at Astound Commerce, um, and I'm a gay man. Okay, great. Um, So to start us off, we're going to focus on some brands that we thought did Pride well this month and some that were maybe a little bit tone deaf. So um, let's start there. Who's going to go first? Should we just jump into <laughs> yeah, the winner? Yeah, jump right in. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think there's a clear winner mm. and it's MasterCard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. For me, uh, it wasn't an ad campaign. It's mm. literally a life-changing moment for a group of people to have the name that they want on their credit card. Yeah. So if the audience isn't aware... Uh, MasterCard did a campaign where uh, if you were a trans person, you could have that name on your credit card. The true name card, it was called. Yeah, the true name card, which is apparently a very arduous process um, Mm. to Mm. try to make that name change. And that, for me, is the definition of what pride advertising should be. Yeah. Because it goes back to you as a brand, what do you have permission to do? Mm -hmm. What can you do that no one else can do? And how can you actually make real change in a diverse community? I think I absolutely agree. I think 
one of the things that I kind of have focused on or has drawn my attention this month and generally has been brands that have gone beyond the rainbow, you know, slapping a rainbow, rainbowifying their logo, everyone's doing it. But finding, as you, as you say, finding a way that they as a brand can uniquely make an impact in the world. And I think the MasterCard example is a really great one. Another, what seems like a really small example, but it's similar in terms of uh, changing the product itself to improve the lives of others is, you know, Lyft allowing in the functionality of their app, allowing non-binary and transgender uh, uh, customers to uh, select their pronouns. And again, it seems like a really small thing, but that's a, I think that's a really impactful, practical way that a brand can uh, make a positive contribution. Um, yeah. With Lyft, um, so I, I just know this because it was a former colleague of mine, uh, the guy who leads PR is this guy, Jesse, if you're listening, <laughs> and he used to do it at Gap, uh, mm. where we worked together, and he is a gay man. And I watch via his own personal social, like the whole creation and the activation of that. And what I took away from it is that there's a really awesome, connected gay community that works at Lyft mm. that wanted to make this possible. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, that's cool that it's coming from that. Yeah. And I mean, that's a place of authenticity, isn't it, rather than, you know, the C-suite telling, you know, from, from a high saying, hey, we should do something for pride, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and for me, one that um, really stood out was H&M um, and their use of, like, iconic figures in the LGBTQ community, um, especially like Ricky Thompson and Laverne Cox, um, bringing in transgender people, people of color, front and center. I think that's the future of pride, um, you know, bringing people who have been on the margins of the pride movement um, in the past. So that one really stood out, um, uplifting and also very progressive. Not a campaign, but uh, on the first day of Pride Month, there was Governor's Ball, the mm. music festival in New York. And everybody had rainbow things because it was the first the first of the month and uh, World Pride in New York City. And uh, throughout all the rainbow things and the selfie booths and Instagram activations, the best thing I saw was Bud Light's dive bar that they've been taking around from festival mm. to festival. They turned it into a gay bar. And it was such a fun party. It, they made a space where queer people felt so comfortable. It's like everyone just knew that they could flock there. So they weren't just trying to give you rainbow sunglasses. They made a dance floor. And they've also been partnering with GLAAD for 20 years now. They showed old ads from the 90s that were awesome for Pride. Uh, and I was really thankful for that. Oh, they also had about 10 different flags. They had one rainbow flag, and then they had mm. the trans flag, non-binary. Mm, they had awesome. everything. Mm -hmm. So that was really impressive. Um, and I guess pivoting to ones that maybe didn't do as well and uh, came across maybe as tone deaf or... They're almost more fun to talk about. They kind of <laughs> are, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have I, a lot of examples in my head. <laughs> there's some real stinkers. I, I'd love to jump in and just... I think my... all. Because again, there were some. There's a there's a good list of bad ones, but mm -hmm. I think, and it's it's not a US based thing. It was actually um, retailer Marks and Spencer out of the UK, um, who you guys may have also seen this. They um, they released a, a LGBT sandwich um, that would be lettuce, guacamole, uh, bacon, and tomato. Um, What's gay about that? 
Uh, well, LGBT. LG. Oh. Yeah. oh my God! I did not. Didn't click. You know, I think, and I won't. I won't waste too much oxygen talking about it. But it's <laughs> like it kind of. I think there's so many examples of brands with good intent, but again, having um, having enough empathy and understanding of the real issues at play and and how to enter the conversation in a in a in a in a in the right way. And that's probably just a good example of not really thinking it through or having enough oversight in terms of is this an appropriate way for us to be celebrating Pride via a sandwich? Probably not. It feels kind of lazy <laughs> almost. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Just not I mean, even... look, I'm sure it was done in good humour, but it just kind of demeans yeah. Yeah, the absolutely. conversation. You know? It was humour. It was a joke. It doesn't need to be funny. Yeah, we don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> One other. Um, oh, oh go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Um, one other dud that I notice, I don't know if you're experiencing the same, but I'm getting bombarded with Facebook ads for like pride gag gifts. And they're basically like rainbow like tutus or rainbow hats or uh, rainbow shirts. Mm-hmm. And I look at those companies, I go to their websites and the other shirts they make are like, I'm with stupid and <laughs> the latest yeah. meme hashtag. It's just so disingenuous for those companies to try to put like a, a LGBT like activist quote on one of their shirts or to try to co-op the pride movement to make a quick buck because you know that the money is not going into a good cause so Mm -hmm. that really bothers me i think that's one thing that i am super wary of and i think consumers are generally i'm sure all of us here are is especially when they're selling product and so they're making an actual profit it's i'm always very careful to interrogate where is that money going because there are a lot of examples of brands who, yes, they're making contributions or percentage of profits are going to organisations. But, I mean, like for me, like Nike is a really good example who I, I love the Nike brand and they do amazing things and they have huge power and influence in the world. And I think that their Be True campaign has a lot of positive things about it. But I was reading, you know, in the in the fine print and in the last seven or eight years, they've made, I think it was a $3.5 million contribution in kind and in cash. And I think, how much how mm-hmm. many T-shirts and shoes and, and a, pieces of apparel have you sold? For an organisation the size and scale of Nike, $3.5 million in yeah. value seems pretty small over the best part of a decade. So, yeah, there are, there are a lot of examples of that where even when backed up with some sort of genuine uh, effort and contribution, it's still, if you do the numbers, it's a little bit, there's a lot of profiteering happening, I think. No follow and I through. Think, and the thing with Nike, just also given the calendar year, the corporate culture has not been supportive of this type of community. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, women feel ostracized, gay people feel ostracized, people of color feel ostracized. There's a whole New York Times article about their corporate culture. So... It always ties back to that for me. For sure. Um, And Diana and I were talking about this yesterday. If you are in New York City and you walk down Fifth Avenue between 23rd and 14th Street, every single store window is rainbows. Mm. And you question how authentic that can be. And the only thing that I can say is, you know, before I started my company, I, I ran Digital at Gap. And that company actually has the permission to do what they're doing in the store windows because it was actually the first publicly traded company to give health benefits to same-sex couples. Mm. But I wish that was the story that they were telling in the windows, Mm. not a T-shirt that says love is for all, Mm -hmm. because most people don't know what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another bad example, which 
kind of builds on that point is I think everyone probably saw the Listerine bottle, the, the mountain mouthwash, oh which is kind of on a par with the sandwich a little bit. But the thing, again, in digging into that, it's the where the story becomes compelling and the story that you wish was being told was what are Johnson & Johnson, the parent company, because they're that's really they're the ones who employ a hundred thousand, hundred and fifty thousand people, however many people Johnson and Johnson employ. They're the ones who can actually make a real impact. They're the ones who can employ queer people um, through policy, through real action in the world. Whereas a mouthwash brand is just mouthwash is just a product, and using that as a conduit for that story just it feels a little grubby um, to me. Yep. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I actually pulled up a picture of it because that was my least favorite, and it just annoyed me so much. I actually so haven't much. seen it. What is it? It's it's <laughs> a rainbow it's like, exactly what you bottle. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but instead they put, like, weird words. Oh, wow. Um, well, so it feels like so, a college dorm yeah. almost. It's it, it, interesting, though, like, the words, because I – which I actually had to educate myself here because I looked at the words and it felt a bit – because it felt a little, like um, – Live, laugh, love. Yeah, and that's and what I, was I thought like, too. I was like, "Whoa, that's that's not what Pride's about." But interestingly, the original, so the original uh, Pride flag, rainbow flag design, each of the colours actually, and this is my art, uh, previous art director coming out in me, the the original colours each represented a kind of a, a tenant, I suppose, or a principle for queer pride. And so those words actually okay. correspond with that original design. The thing that's extremely telling about that, though, is one of them has been removed. One of them isn't actually on there. On the Listerine it, bottle? Yes, and oh. it's the pink one, which is sexuality. That's the one that oh. they don't actually call out. That is so and I, strange. And I think that's really telling that they, they're prepared to go a, a little bit of the way, but then they're like, oh, but we can't have the word sexuality on our bottle. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm, look, I don't know. I'm just I'm making assumptions there, yeah. so I'm not... I'm probably being judgmental from afar, but that is that is the one word um, that is not present on, on the bottle. So that's it's a little telling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I just even like the font of it. I don't know. It just it did remind me of like the live, oh, the, laugh, I mean, learn. Like yeah, the design's awful. It yeah. just <laughs> it just feels like something you'd see on like. A college it's, dorm it's sort of wall it's not and... it's not brush grip, but for the oh, no. for the listeners, it's yeah. akin to yeah yeah. yeah. To, um, touch also on the like net proceeds conversation. That was one of the um, negatives that I observed too. And yeah, like doing the math, like net proceeds is different than percentage of sales is different than profits. And you think about like margins on t-shirts, how small those are sometimes, you know, I definitely question how much money is actually being given to these organizations. And I also feel like the nonprofits are in a vulnerable position in terms of negotiating their own licensing agreements for use of their logos and use of their name. And they benefit so much from putting a brand like HRC or the Transgender Legal Defense Fund or or something like that on their campaign, consumers, you know, don't necessarily know that there's really not that much going into it. So, um, you know, I think that's a huge opportunity for nonprofits and someone to advocate more strongly for them. It's also heartbreaking to think about how much marketing money they're spending just to oh, tell yeah. people that they oh, made these shirts. Yes. Well, how is that compared to the money they're actually giving? That, yeah. Those are the two numbers that I want to 100%. see. I mean, we know, and not to beat up on Nike too much, but obviously we know they have extraordinary marketing budgets. And it's we could well imagine the millions and millions of dollars that they're spending on production and media, which is why, again, if you go back to that $3.5 million in kind and in mm-hmm. cash, contribution 
that's you know that's that's pocket change for them in terms in context of a single campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. I think it, one one other while it's sort of just in my head and it's kind of circling back a little bit to you know Mastercard and Lyft as well. Another one that stood out to me, which was really buried, is as part of a campaign for uh, Sephora, the um, uh, makeup retailer. I thought they did a really beautiful job, not a rainbow in sight. um, And I think they did a really beautiful job of representing, you know, uh, uniquely diverse stories within the within the queer community, Um, not just atypical gay man stories, but you know, digging in deeper and finding really unique stories, but. Aside from that, because again, it was just beautifully. As as a creative person, you look at it aesthetically and executionally, and it was beautiful. But one of the things that stood out to me was they actually um, offer free ninety minute um, makeup tutorials to transgender um, people. Mm. Oh, that's so and sweet. It, and it's just like there you go. That's yeah. that that is a thing that you as a brand are uniquely equipped, and that that's a relevant thing for you to be doing. You're a makeup brand. Um, and you, so you have, you know, to the point earlier, you have permission to be to, to be helping in that space. To piggyback, you're totally right about Sephora. So the day that they launched that campaign, mm. they also did something else. They shut down their stores and their corporate office for about four hours. And globally, they did diversity and inclusion oh, I training. Heard about yeah, that. wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like a Starbucks where they needed to, like a crisis to be able to do that. They like thought to do but that. But to pull something that like that off at a corporate level, yeah. like it was an executive decision. Like, sure, mm-hmm. we're going to lose, you know, $20 million in revenue today, mm-hmm. but this is something that we have to do as a company. That's so incredible yeah. because you know that they're teaching these employees, don't assume anyone's pronouns. Mm-hmm. Small things like that, that if they say they support pride, but then the employees mm-hmm. are misgendering people or just being very careless or making homophobic jokes underneath their breath, that becomes disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Yeah. Well, um, while we're on the employment topic and like HR, um, that's like definitely, I think beyond advertising, also one of the biggest ways corporations and businesses can show that they stand behind the LGBT community. Because especially for the trans community, employability is one of the major issues that they're fighting for. Um, and as long as non-discrimination is not federal policy and it's not state policy in most cases, the employers have to protect the employees. And um, I interviewed Chanel Haley, who's one of the Grand Marshals for Atlanta Pride this year, and she said that's the number one thing she'd ask of corporations is that they really focus on protecting transgender employees and hiring them, um, proving, you know, proving that they are fully employable and should be part of every company. I could tell you when I was at Cannes, especially the Ad Week um, CMO Symposium, that was such a hot topic with all the CMOs. Hmm. Pretty much the conversation was diversity and inclusion can no longer sit in HR. It needs to be a corporate-wide responsibility, Mm -hmm. and marketing has to have a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just really amazing to see, you know, companies like the NFL, Trade Desk, Viacom, all have this common language and feel the same way in terms of the shared responsibility. Sure. I think also, you know, again, there's so many, which has been a bit of a theme here, but there's so many different ways that, again, employment is a kind of critical one, but there's so many ways that brands, and I think this is also a critical distinction for me, is brands versus organisations. And again, the Listerine and Johnson & Johnson example is a good one where it's like, it's not a Listerine story. It's a. It's got to be. It's got to be meaty, and it's got to be about the company behind the brand. Mm-hmm. There are you, there are obviously examples like Nike, where the brand and the organisation are 
are one in the same thing. But I think that's where it becomes authentic is when it's actually a company deep commitment rather than as a brand, a philosophical statement out in the world. Not to say that that I don't want to deride brands participating in probably because I think there's a lot to be gained from it. I think a lot of positive comes from that. But again, if you're if we're interrogating it, which we are, we're here, we're doing a podcast on it, so we might as well. Um, you know, again, so for me, it's more about encouraging brands to go deeper rather than saying stop putting a because putting a rainbow flag on your brand. I, I I don't inherit. I'm not that. I'm not resistant to that idea. I think it's great. From a, it looks you know again the, you know it looks fantastic. Shopfronts, all this sort of stuff. There's a visibility to it, but again, it's like you just you you hope and want for those brands to really be properly committed to that. And so, for example, employment is something. It's not just a one month a year thing. It's an all year round thing. Gay and queer people aren't gay and queer just in Pride mm-hmm. Month, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, it's a it, that that's who they are, right? So, and so representation through things like casting as well in advertising, as an example, is a really great great one where brands can be representing those people uh, in the community um, in a really like just kind of effortless way it doesn't have to be a thing it doesn't have to be a special celebration or moment in time it's just like that's part of the tapestry of our brand and our and our audience Mm -hmm. Mm. 100 percent agree yeah representation and fair payment equal pay yeah for sure Mm -hmm. um which i think has been a challenge this year i just a lot of friends who are like influencer gays they've been casted (laughs) in campaigns not getting paid Hmm. Because wow. it's a nonprofit, and then their faces are appearing around the city with corporate logos on them. Oh wow! Wow! Oh, because of, of a partnership with the mm-hmm. with the and they, charity. They were and... told we have no money for casting. Oh, right, that's so disgusting. That's, that's heartbreaking. It's, yeah, that needs to change. Um, and I, I guess we can also pivot into like other ways, not just on the background of like what companies are doing with like employment, but like how could they fully make these efforts more genuine, like. For me, with Listerine, if they had maybe rolled out a campaign where they showed, like, a queer couple waking up in the morning and taking a swig of a Listerine bottle, that alone would just, like, resonate so much more than, like, a rainbow on a Listerine bottle. And, I like, yeah, I guess it could look a little cute on the bottle or whatever, but just showing it in a normal way, like you're saying, of representation throughout the year. Like, don't just do it in June. Do it in like November and like all year round. But let's take the, the topic of oral care, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would be sitting at the table and say, okay, we have permission to play within oral care. What issues exist within the queer community yeah. when it comes to that? And let's go solve some of them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I mean, in broad terms as well, like I often, you know, wrestle with, and, I, you know, I touched on it before, brands even just entering into the conversation and putting rainbows and all of that sort of stuff and how judgmental we might be of, you know, kind of they get, you know, barraged on Twitter or what have you. Because the reality is that the the Listerine thing seems like kind of really clunky, but it's not that Johnson & Johnson aren't doing stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like they are actually making a commitment. Um, and so that's the thing I kind of wrestle with often is like, brands even participating in this and the contribution <clears throat> is there value in just putting a rainbow on your logo like I, I suppose that's a question for the room a little bit like mm-hmm. if there's no follow-through at all is it completely exploitative I, I mean i have an opinion about this but i'm just I'm just interested is it completely exploitative or is 
the the visibility of that rainbow in the world and the message and mm-hmm. and this and the and the uh, meaning that that holds is that in of itself making a positive contribution w- worthy of that action does that make sense like, it yeah. does i'm yeah. so torn on this issue i've yeah. been thinking about it all month because i love seeing rainbow things it makes me yeah. so happy yeah. I, I i feel just like a warmth when i see rainbow products at the same time is it disingenuous I, I, it's a struggle. I can't answer. I really can't. I think um, for me, I think that, well, we're queer people. Everything's on a spectrum. Um, and I think, yes, like having a rainbow logo on your Facebook page during Pride Month is visibility. And for someone who's, you know, maybe not in a city or out in the world, seeing that companies are embracing pride and making you feel seen, that can have impact um but i do agree like once it comes to making revenue and selling products yeah then it definitely is disingenuous at that point mm-hmm. i would personally want awareness to exist in communities outside of new mm-hmm. york la san francisco mm-hmm. chicago mm-hmm. like if i went down to nashville right now if i went down to atlanta would i see the same declaration yeah. of rainbows mm-hmm. i think and i think that's the thing you know it's it's easy for us sitting here as well to kind of make these judgments and i think and again this is just an observation or a thought is that you know and you know i work without getting into specifics you know i work on a lot of global brands that are in you know 20 30 from markets around the world and so the nuance of that when we're talking about uh latin america we're talking about southeast asia we're talking about africa we're talking about eastern europe and to create a one-size-fits-all story for each of those cultures and communities, it gets it's super complex. But even within the confines of, of the United States, there's a complexity in the evolution of understanding or maturity around these issues and how people feel about um, these issues, the homophobia, transphobic attitudes that exist within communities outside of San Francisco and New York and Chicago and more progressive states and, and cities, it, it, we know that, that those problems still exist. And so puncturing that with the visibility of a rainbow, I think, at least is a starting point, you know, in terms of talking a mainstream brand, talking to a mainstream audience. But I'm also saying that without a full, clear vision of whether those logos, other than in a digital form, how present are those rainbows actually out in the world? Mm-hmm in texas and places Mm -hmm. um not to bash texas but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah um i i live in atlanta in the south and um just to comment on that as well i was actually listing the spread of pride nationally as a huge positive that i've seen this year like my small hometown of 2000 people had a pride march this year for the first time. And Atlanta is one of the biggest prides in the country. Um, you know, Dallas and Austin and Houston are huge liberal centers with lots of gay people. And then you've got little towns like Cincinnati. And um, and I know Detroit had a big pride with a big pr- counter protest this year as well. But, you know, we're seeing pride everywhere. I think um, as far as the movement, that's, that's really great to see. Um, kind of off from the brand topic, but... That's been a big movement. Yeah. Maybe all these rainbows will make these brands say, okay, well, now we have to step it up. Like, you know, everybody did a rainbow. Yeah. Maybe this is going to start some competition and make people want to do more. Yeah, for sure. 
I mean, I, th- I think also it's sort of, you know, we often focus on the rep and for good reason, the representation that um, Pride presents um, in terms of representing the queer community. Um, but a little ding happening. I don't know where that, where, where that is. Um, is this a drinking game? Yeah, <laughs> we say queer. Uh, uh, I'm it's, hammered. I, I think it's, a, it's an alarm saying, Gus, your voice is too deep or something. <laughs> um, it, so what, the point I was going to make quickly was I think we, we talk about uh, the representation and the sense of community that Pride creates for queer people. Um, but it's also there's an educational job in terms of like the straight people of the world, the people outside of that community and shifting their hearts and minds as well. So there is a, there is the pride does a job in doing both of those things. It's not just about um, how it makes uh, LGBTQI people feel, but it's also about how it affects the hearts and minds of other people outside of that community. And so from an educational perspective, I think there's a lot of value to be, value to be gained by brands, again, visibly being out in the world in, in that way. I think um, I, I saw this was a thing that really kind of grabbed me. And, it, and the, the point has also been made a couple of times in different ways. But this tweet by um, Jason Hudson, who I, I, I don't know personally, uh, at underscore Jason Hudson is his Twitter handle. Um, but, but nonetheless, he, he tweeted just a photo of a, um, you know, a mall covered in rainbows. And, and he, he, he said, listen, I understand corporate appropriation of pride is annoying slash highly suspect, but I also know that walking through a shopping mall screaming with rainbows makes this 37-year-old man feel seen and I can't imagine how it would have changed my life as a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh. And I that it's you know gives me kind of shivers a little like bit a chill, even, yeah. even just saying it now um and but i think that's a that's that's a good i suppose um distillation of the complexity of this you know like you, like you, the re- the way we wrestle with this topic is there's so there's there's a lot of good to be gained from even small actions by yeah. brands yeah we had a contributor write an article about how um the digital communities help just like today's youth and saves them so much and he's he's just so relieved and happy to see like what you're saying with like all the rainbows everywhere walk through a mall and be like oh my god I, I'm seeing like I have my community and he like wishes he had that when he was growing up and it's I just think that's such a it was a very beautiful piece but yeah yeah, yeah digital's really changed how communities connect and you know being able and with brands and then also like um, within the community I remember growing up in rural New Hampshire as a kid like the internet and sites like XY and old mm-hmm. sites that used to exist that don't anymore. Those those are some of the only gay people I knew, and I only knew them from chat conversations mm-hmm. and things like that. It's a, It was a different era, but that's evolved, and now we have Instagram, and there's so many people. Um, and I think one other thing, I just wanted to connect back to a point that's come up a couple times, which is like being there throughout the year. Um, I think it would be deeply impactful if some of these brands found ways to step in, not just during Pride, but to make a big impact. You know, there's a lot going on in the country right now, politically, in terms of civil rights, Um, like you're seeing with the abortion bill in Georgia that, you know, there's a there's a big standoff with the entertainment industry and that's that's actually having an impact on the conversation 
um, in Atlanta when um, Trump did the um, government shutdown, Delta donated 80,000 to open up the MLK memorial through the whole period. And you know that was Delta, a brand stepping in in an activist way. Um, pride is activism and like Stonewall was a riot. And I think if brands are just there for the party but not for the fight, um, it's gonna be really hard to believe them throughout the year. So um, I think it's a big opportunity and hopefully um, someone will pick it up. I thought that was so well said. Being yeah. there for the party and not there for the fight. Yeah. Well, that's the sure. title of my ad week article. So. Oh, <laughs> I see the SEO just off the lighting up. <laughs> Google it. Yeah. And it, and it's and it is it's really easy to forget because the rainbow largely is the symbol of pride, which is such a, a happy and affirming symbol. And it's it's very easy to forget the negativity and the hurt and the persecution and all those horrible things that led to the birth of pride as we understand it today mm-hmm. it's you know it just it seems like it's just a party and a celebration but mm-hmm. to understand the depth of the its birth and why it exists in the world it's a resistance to shame and all of those all of those things so yeah it's um agree very very well said um and i guess just to close us out we can talk a little bit about i feel like this year more than ever, I've seen people on Twitter just talking about capitalization more. Mm. Like, it's always been a thing, but I just feel like I've seen so many threads about, like, not following through. And just wanted to kind of see if you guys had seen the same and, like, what your thoughts are on that, too. That's been really the hot topic for everywhere I've gone this month. People have said, well, which march are you going to? Mm-hmm. And they mean, are you going to the Pride March or the Queer Liberation March, mm-hmm. which is happening at the same time, but it's following the riot, the the route from Stonewall mm-hmm. um, that happened so long ago. And I just find that really interesting. How do we get to this point where we need not an anti-Pride parade, but a march that's against capitalism and working with the police for to mm-hmm. actually do something that's riotous. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is analogous to the women's movement, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, these types of moments create a discourse for people to start talking about many different types of topics, and then everything starts to get convoluted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you can add to that there's also a dyke march. Like, there's so much separation that's happening. Mm-hmm. versus one cohesive narrative where we're all trying to communicate the same story. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. All right. I think that closes us out for today. Um, we're, about, we're about the time, I think. So, yeah, thanks for coming in, everybody. And thank you, everyone, for listening to us this week. Um, we'll catch you next week. Yeah. Happy thank Pride. Thank you. Happy Pride. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.